Well, hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dream. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Let's lean into the topic that God's bringing up today on finding hope in the hard places. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's guest, Jenny Owens, became a household name as the Gospel Music Association's 2000 New Artist of the Year. Growing in notoriety as both a singer and songwriter, winning three Dove Awards and multiple awards along the way, Owens has sold over a million records over the course of her career. She's a top performer on the Christian radio charts with hits like If You Want Me To, Free, and I Want to Be Moved, among many others. Owens has released no less than 11 full albums and three EPs, and her music has also impacted mainstream audiences at fairs, the Sundance Film Festival, and the White House. Jenny lost her sight at the age of three, and her latest book, Singing in the Dark, is all about finding hope in the songs of Scripture. I got to tell you, this interview with Jenny really left me inspired. I know you're going to love her as much as I did. So let me introduce you to her right now. Well, hello, Jenny, and welcome to the show. Hi, Rachel. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you today. Before we dive into the topic that we're discussing, what is one random fun fact about you that we would not have read on your professional bio? I was a high school cheerleader, and my favorite thing was getting on top of the pyramid, which sounds terrifying now. But, you know, when you're 16, it's real fun. So, yeah, very random fact. Wow, that is fun. I was a cheerleader, but I was a bass. So, <laughs> oh, very cool. See, you were, you were actually strong then. I was just a wimp. So, no, no, you have to be quite brave to get up on top. And then you have to be quite trustworthy of those of us beneath you. So, I think that says a lot about you. <laughs> Man, gone are those days. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that is a super fun fact. So, today we get to talk about your latest project, your, your book that you've released called Singing in the Dark Finding Hope in the songs of scripture. I love to ask authors, where did this book come from? There's always a story behind it. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, and I've been working on this story for a few years. Um, so the story is about a couple of things. I lost my eyesight when I was three years old. So in a sense, uh, there's an element of dark to my life in the sense that I, I don't see clearly or at all. And yet I think that's something we all can relate to because we all know what it is to live in a world with some kind of darkness. Like Paul says to us that um, we're all a little bit blind, the side of heaven, we're all looking through a blurry glass. And so whether it's because we're actually facing difficulty or suffering or because we're just like there's a lack of clarity you know we can't sit across from god and hang out and just ask him what we should do next there's some element of darkness not only that but i've been a a singer songwriter for 20 years and i love the idea of singing 
and singing our way through this life. And so some people might say, well, like I'm tone deaf. I don't like sing, but most of us love music. And the thing that's different about music than everything else is that music demands a response from our bodies in ways that nothing else does. So like we sing it, it, you know, the words get into our minds, the rhythm makes our bodies move and it's often on repeat, you know, in our minds all day. And so I, I wondered what it would be like for us to wholeheartedly engage in, you know, kind of singing in the sense of, um, the words of scripture, you know, God's truth kind of singing in our hearts all day. What would it be like to be able to sing through life with God's hope with, you know, in whatever darkness we're facing. So, um, that was kind of the initial idea. And then also just, you know, having lived some life, I think, one of the things that I find as a human living in the world, and I'm sure you find this to be the case as well, is that we just spend our time looking for hope. We keep expecting the world to offer us hope in different ways, whether it's in our family and the validation that comes from that, whether it's in our job, which for me has always been a, a source of identity that I have to you know, kind of step back from all the time and say, Hey, this is not me. This is, you know, the work that God has called me to do, but there are all these different places where, you know, we really do kind of think and believe um, that the world is going to give us hope and it's not. And so that is also a lot of what we talk about in this book is how to find hope in a world that just doesn't offer us lasting hope. And what does that practically look like? And so I share a lot of my story of how I've kind of w- walked through and worked through some of that. And then also just look at songs from scripture that I think help help us find that that true deep hope. Yeah, you know, and I really resonate with this message because I am not a professional singer. However, I my kids are always like, mom, you're always singing. Like I'm literally always walking around the house singing something, you know, a lot of times it's a quirky, silly, you know, something song, but I have noticed how music can literally shift the atmosphere. You know, like I can be having a blah day and I'll just turn on a worship song and it literally within seconds, the entire atmosphere will shift. Um, And so I love, love the power behind it. Mm, Yes, that is so true. Music is very, very powerful. It's uniquely powerful, you know, in a way that nothing else is. I mean, even just the idea of if we want to memorize something, if we start to sing it, we will memorize it so much more quickly. So true. So um, I I learned that in seminary, just the the last couple of years, having to memorize Greek and Hebrew, it's like sing it and then you will remember it. So it works for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so one of the things I wanted to touch on that you mentioned earlier that, um, that you lost your sight when you were three. And, you know, before the show, you and I were talking about that and you said something that I thought was interesting that you, it, you actually don't see darkness. Tell us about what you actually yeah. see. Yeah. It's kind of strange. So I, I might liken it to, um, if you, if your hand goes to sleep or, you know, like how you talk about your foot going to sleep or, you know, you sit on your hand or your foot too long and it, you kind of, it goes numb. So it's maybe a little bit like that. Not that my eyes are numb, but there just isn't, there are no sort of brain waves connected to them in the sense that I don't see dark or black or color or, or really anything at all. So I, I was able to see um, until I was three and I had, I could see color. Um, my favorite was apparently purple. Um, I could, you know, see people, all of those kinds of things. Um, and then I had a surgery that, 
the doctors were hoping would actually stabilize the vision I had, but ended up taking it away. So it didn't take long for me to just lose that memory of being able to see anything. And yet I had awesome parents that were like, you go and be independent and live life. So I went out and climbed trees and rode my bike and, and kind of did all the things that I did as a sighted three-year-old even on the other side of that. So I think I, I had some memory of, of, you know, seeing uh, enough to keep navigating and, and learning to get around, but just now really no memory of, of color or of, you know, what, what people looked like. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned your favorite, they said your favorite color was purple. Um, is that why there's purple on the front of your book? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I thought I would just keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um like hearing your story and seeing how you have still moved forward and you're still operating in the gifts that God has for you and you're still living just this full life. That that really resonated with me when you said that you don't necessarily see darkness but you see nothing. I feel like there's a lot of people walking around in our world who feel just like mm-hmm spiritually, you know, like yes. nothing there, you know, and I'm like, how, do, how do you have you have found your hope in Jesus, despite all that you've been through, despite your challenges and the things that you've faced? How did, how have you clung to your hope in Jesus? You know, I think what it comes down to is one of the things I, I love to tell people is um, to go back to the music metaphor for a minute, there's always a song that's on repeat in our minds. And that song may not have any melody at all, but it always has words. And that song usually comes from whatever we've been through in our difficult times. So it's usually not a good song, right? And so for me, as a person who can't see, a lot of times that song is, you know, you really don't have any worth or any value. You've got to find ways to make yourself useful. But I've talked to enough people to know that's probably not just a song in my mind. Other people probably have that song on repeat in their minds as well. And the problem with the song like that is if it's going on in in the background of your mind all the time, even if you might say, you know, Jesus or, or love him even, um, it's really hard to overpower the noise of that, of that dark song uh, with his love. And so really what I continue to learn is that I actually have to learn a new song. I have to learn something else that can replace um, that song of pain or doubt or fear or negativity, whatever's on repeat in my mind, I have to, I got to sing something different. And so essentially the only way to, to just be basically thinking different thoughts is to learn new thoughts to, to sing. So I, um, I go to scripture and from there really learn what it is. He says about me, what it is that he says about himself and practice meditating on that truth. And just like anything else in our world, you know, that we do, whether it's going to school or, you know, anything that we want to get better at, we do have to keep practicing that and coming back to it. And, you know, trying to day by day, step by step, overpower uh, the negative voices that are in our head, the negative terrible lies that the enemy has placed in our head, um, with God's truth. And really, um, it's, it's so simple. And yet it's so true that as we learn the songs of scripture, as we learn these words about who we are, about who Jesus is, as those song, as those kind of sink deeply into our souls, they just naturally overpower all that negativity. 
Yeah. And you know, one thing I love about your book, um, it actually really challenged me and that you, you go through different songs and laments from scripture. And I was, I love how at the very end of the chapters, you, you know, walk us through writing our own song in that area. And that's something that I personally would have disqualified myself from like, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a writer. What, you know, what do I have to offer here? However, that has challenged me because Honestly, I am going to be recommending this book to my clients um, as a therapist because it's activating that side of our brain that we just don't really do enough of (laughs) and, you know, just calming ourselves down and really connecting. Um, And so could you walk us through, I really liked your song of inner peace. I feel like inner peace is something that people could really (laughs) use today in our world. So could you walk us through even just like one of those and, you know, kind of how you came up with it and then how we can expand upon it. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm so glad that you like the the song exercise because I know people really kind of resist that at first. They're like, oh gosh, I'm not qualified. But I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's the difference in kind of knowing something and then experiencing it. Right. And and as as we kind of write out God's words about us and about him. Like as we're writing them out in song form or in poem form or in journal form or prayer form or whatever, we're really kind of tasting and experiencing those words in a whole different way than if we just kind of, you know, say them once and then move on with our lives. And so I feel like that's where the song exercise can be really helpful. Cause even if you don't sing, you can always just take the time to write out words of God's truth or write out words of your pain and, you know, kind of put those before God. So it it does, it kind of engages that, that whole other side of the brain. In fact, the song of inner peace is one that I, it was one of the first chapters that I wrote because it was one of the first places that I learned about this singing. Um, so one of my favorite passages in the Bible is, um, in Philippians four, well, the whole book of Philippians, but I love Philippians four where Paul is, um, writing to the Philippian church from prison. And he is, gosh, by, you know, all standards in a really dark place. I mean, he's, he's in chains, he's been suffering for the gospel and he's been talking in this book about other, you know, evangelists who are putting him down and, and sort of behind his back, you know, saying terrible things about him. And, and yet he's saying, but if the, if the cause of Christ is further, then that's okay. Um, and so what I love in chapter four is he is singing to the Philippian church who was going through their own suffering. They are learning the suffering of persecution and pain, and they're learning about growing pains. And it's a very diverse community. And so they're having to learn what it means to be together and, uh, you know, connect with each other. But he is um, telling them to rejoice and to not be anxious about anything. And he tells them how, um, He tells them, essentially, he tells them, I love this Martin Luther quote that says, pray and let God worry. And so he basically says that he says, go to God with all of your requests and thank him for what he's done and what he's about to do and then leave it with him. And then he says, and the peace that passes all understanding will surround your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that really, I remember when I first 
read these verses. It was right after my mom had um, gone through a a battle with um, advanced stage breast cancer. And I had, because I'm the child that has the job that can be done from anywhere, as long as there's an airport, I moved home to take care of her during that process. And it was, it was very difficult. I mean, as cancer always is. And sometimes if you're the caregiver, you just feel like, gosh, I just want to, to take this pain away. And there's just really nothing you can do. Um, so I remember moving, uh, back home after that season of being with her and and she is doing great now, praise the Lord. Um, but I remember just having this restlessness and anxiety, pervasive anxiety that wouldn't leave. And so I remember that during that time, I read these verses from Paul and I was like, what is this that Paul knows about inner peace? And how do I, how do I get some, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time and yet this is so different. Um, This is just not how I'm living my life. And so as I began to really take some time with Paul's words, what I learned was he really did know that Christ was the secret, like that the bigger his view of Jesus became, the more that he actually believed Jesus was powerful enough to handle every pain, every sorrow, every fear that he was facing. And the more that he was about Jesus's work, then his earthly circumstances just kind of lessened in comparison. We, we won't say that he dismissed those, but they just got smaller. They weren't as important because he saw Jesus who had loved him enough to suffer and die on a cross. He saw him as walking every step with him. So Paul knew that he was never alone. And, and we can know that too, that we're never alone. I love, um, there's a, a quote that Elizabeth Elliot said that is, um, the secret is Christ in me not me in a different set of circumstances. And I think that's just one of the coolest things that Paul, Paul taught us is it, the bigger our view of Jesus gets, the more we can walk through whatever, whatever comes next. Oh, that's so powerful. So then how do we get our view of Jesus to be bigger? I know. How do we? I think that's like, we could talk about that for a few hours. I mean, you know, very practically, we keep going to him. You know, we keep showing up. We talk to him. We find these words. We, you know, I would say start with Philippians 4, 4 to 13 and meditate on that and just hang out in it every day. Um, I think, you know, sometimes we we think the more productive we are, the better. So like, let, let's cover lots of the Bible if we're going to actually go into the Bible at all. But I would say, take a few verses, take one verse, meditate on it every day, spend time with it, see what it says, see what it says about Jesus. Ask, ask questions of, of scripture, ask what it says about Jesus, ask what it says about you, um, ask what you need to change, ask what the spirit is speaking to you and invite him to talk with you that way. Um, there's a verse in Psalm 25, 14 that says that the friendship of the Lord is with those who honor and revere and fear him. And to them, he tells his secrets. So the beautiful thing is that when we are, you know, talking to him, opening our hearts to him, he's ready to tell us his secrets. And of course, one of his secrets is having inner peace. But but yeah, I think it's just on the most simple level, it's very much like it would be if we're growing in friendship with someone. We want to know what they think about things, right? We care about their opinions. We want their advice. We want to hear how their day was. And we certainly want to tell them how our day was. 
And that's how we grow with God as well. We go to him. We tell him all of the things. Um, we lay those all before him. We, we have that time set aside to do that. And then we call on him. You know, we take these words from scripture and we speak them over our lives. And, and we ask them, we ask him to speak uh, through those words. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up those practical points because um, just like on a personal note, at the beginning of this year, I was kind of thinking and praying through if I wanted to do a Bible reading plan because normally I'll read through the Bible in a year. And I really yes. felt like the Lord said, nope, no checklist this year. Just like <laughs> get in my word and read it at a snail's pace. And that's what I've been doing. Yes. Like I'm still in Matthew right now because I will read a verse and then I'll reread it and then I'll research it and like really just slowing down and letting that just kind of wash over me. And I feel like I've learned so much about Jesus and God and the, like every so much that I just was just reminded of the power of, I mean, I'm all for Bible reading plans. Don't, don't mishear me. I'm not yes. saying, I'm not saying yes. to throw those out the window, but I am very much for listening to the Holy Spirit because he knows what we need. And, you know, he knew I needed to slow down and really just drink in each scripture yes. and meditate on it. Just like you said. I've actually been doing a Bible reading plan this year and um, just to go through the Bible again. And I am kind of starting to feel that as well. I'm like, okay, so at night I've started to kind of meditate on a Psalm and just kind of go through the verses. And then I, so I've, I've written down several Psalms that I continue to just cycle through right now. So it's like at night is my slow reading through. And then in the morning is my, yeah, let's, let's, you know, cover a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I have done several times a chronological reading plan and it's been good because it gives me like this big picture overview, you know, which, so I think yes. that's what the fast reading can be good for is like, okay, it's kind of like you're reading a book, you know, just, I'm getting this big picture overview, but now I'm like, okay, let's slow down and let's really study this. So, um, that's so good. I love that you're doing both. That's, that's smart. Today's episode is brought to you by Joymail the monthly newsletter I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and practical action steps into your inbox and life. To sign up, simply head to rachelgilbert.com, click the Start Here tab, and sign up for the newsletter right there. Um, okay, so another thing that you talk about in the book is finding rest. <laughs> I think this is another yes. hot topic in our world that we most people struggle to truly find real rest. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about that and what finding true rest really looks like? Yeah, you know, I think there's something to the idea of practicing rest. You know, it's not like laying on the couch and watching Netflix, although that can be restful and relaxing at times. But I have, especially during the pandemic, really started to think a lot about purposeful rest. And also, and I'm sure you've gone through this too, but being in grad school, wow, it's like you got to find some time to rest or you will lose your mind. And so for me, it's been really thinking about how do I practice rest? So this may look different for everyone, but I definitely think one of the things that is the same for all of us is um, heeding the very practical command to have a day of rest. Um, and so for me, that has been Sundays. And of course, Sunday morning is church time. And what I try to fill my rest day with are things that they're not always totally relaxing, but they're things that would fill me. So some of that time is spent in community with, you know, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful 
powerful part of our relationship with God to spend time with him alone on our knees. But also we know that he speaks so much truth to us through other people. So the community is a huge element of that. Being with people who love me and can call my bluff um, or just, you know, being with people that I can walk through the park with and just enjoy uh, nature and beauty and, you know, have some rest time together and just hear, hear where they are and what their reflections on, on God are at the time. So that's part of rest that I think is so important for us, just having others who can speak life into our, into our very weary souls and, and feed us. Um, and then I also think just having sort of time of, of again, where God can speak to us. So to your point about just this time that you spend, um, in reflection in, in the Bible, I think there can be time for just slow, you know, slow reading and slow resting, um, meditating on a passage for, a, you know, 15 to 30 minutes and, and just taking time to let the words sink in and really inviting God to help us rest to rest in his truth. And, and again, just asking questions of the text, like, you know, how is what I'm reading here going to help me take my hands off of the wheel and rest in you? And, you know, what does it look like to rest in you? So I think it's, it's doing that as well. So I, I do feel like there's an element of reading, which allows us to hear God speak and then an element of community. And then also there can always just be an element of a great rest nap in there, which, to me is always so good on a Sunday, but, but just having that time of, of deep rest and, and renewal, I think part, a huge part of rest is, is renewal and just whatever it takes for us to really be filled and be renewed is, is rest. Amen to the Sunday afternoon naps. There's nothing better. I'm like, <laughs> it's like somebody hits me with the dart, a tranquilizer dart, and I'm like, I'm out. So, <laughs> yeah, what is that? I always wonder what that is because everyone says that, but that there's no other day that has such a, a, as good a nap as Sundays. I know. I think because we actually allow ourselves to go there. Because if I let myself nap during the week, there's like part of me that's like, wake up, you got things to do, you know, right. <laughs> so I can't yes, really enjoy yes. it. But um, so another thing you talk about in the book is your journey of restlessness. Does this in burnout and things like that, does this tie into what you just talked about with finding true rest? Yeah, I think it does. Um, and it also just ties into the idea of, I think we get burned out when we are driven by not Jesus. Mm -hmm. We get burned out when we are driven by the things that we love the most and the things that we are really clinging to for our identity. So for me, burnout has come from uh, se seasons of people pleasing and trying to do everything that I thought I was expected to do, but also um, I am, and I'm, I'm sure as a person that, that does your own writing and speaking, you have this too, like we're, we're motivated, highly motivated on some level. And so if that isn't balanced with the rest that comes from God, then, then we can be really driven and that leads to burnout. And um, I remember that when I first um, started traveling, with music pretty soon after I was out of college, I just hit the road and just like my life became my career and I really sold out to my career. So community suffered, church connection suffered, uh, deep friendships suffered all at the cost of, you know, playing Christian music. You know, I thought I was doing ministry and, and maybe I was doing ministry, but unhealthily so. And it, you know, after just sort of nonstop being on the road or 
even when I was home, just thinking, sleeping, eating, breathing career eventually led to just total exhaustion and burnout. And I remember just a time of saying, God, I can't see you. I can't find you. Are you real? And, but the the sad thing is if you don't rest, if you don't have that still time to listen to his voice and to receive him, then of course that's what's going to happen. That's naturally where we're all going to go. So it's kind of like, we can love, of course, all of those things like our career and our, our families and our lives, but we want him to be the most important love um, because as we center everything around him, then we can actually be rejuvenated by everything that's coming instead of burned out by it. So, so yeah, that, that's something that I, I feel like um, as a kind of driven person, I have to learn again and again. So it's not, it's not a one and done for sure. Yeah, I love that we got to talk about this right now because just this morning I was reading in a devotional and it mentioned something. It wasn't directly saying this, but I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of whispered it to me that burnout is also can be known as drain out because if you think about it, it's uh-huh. like we're drain like we're doing things like you said that we love, you know, and that we're even called to, but they're they're draining because we're we're feeding like we're giving out our energy and we're giving out our gifts and our talents, and so then all of a sudden you're just kind of depleted, you know, and so then yes. if we don't yes. do that at that. A practice that you were just talking about with rest, for example, then we don't get refilled. And so it's like we're just kind of going through completely drained and serving and leading from this place of being completely drained. And so then, of course, yeah, you're burnt out, you know, and you, you start questioning your, your calling and you start questioning whether you can keep going. And the truth is we can't keep going if we live in that that drained out place. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I think even for those of us that work in quote unquote ministries that we have to remember, that's never a place where God wants us to be. He does not want us to be completely poured out of all resources. And, and yet for us to do something different, it's kind of like what we're talking about with rest Um, for us to make a different choice means that we really do have to sort of engage and be disciplined. I mean, I I really have to put um, sort of boundaries in place so that I know when to stop working working and accountability in place so that I know people are watching me and can tell me if I'm working too much and just different things like that, that feel a little bit tedious, but also so, you know, once we do them, it's like, oh yes, this is so necessary. This is what I need to, you know, to really just operate at my best and to trust God the most. Yeah. Practically speaking, how do you put the accountability in place? Oh, it's, it's so hard. I think it just um, involves continuing to show up and engage with, with people that I'm close to and to be honest with them, even if, you know, to go to them, you know, even if maybe they're having a busy week and we haven't talked, but so I then pursue them and just say, Hey, how's it going? And here's what's going on with me. And yeah, as, as busy as our world is, that's really hard to do, but I do feel like other people kind of help uh, strengthen our lifeline to God. You know, they really do help us see our way clearly. And so I think, again, it's just about continuing to show up. Um, I am um, a community group leader, uh, co-leader at our church. And that's been hugely helpful just because in years past, I would have been like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm on the road. But it, it sort of sur- provides this accountability where, I mean, of course, if I'm not there for a week, it's okay, but I know that I've got to prepare and teach and, uh, or, or lead. And I know that they're going to be, you know, 
10 other people, 12 other people that I'm going to tell how my week was and hear how their weeks were. And we're going to pray about those things together. So, yeah, I think it's about just intentionality, you know, showing up. No, maybe that's the center of it too, is just knowing we really can't do this alone. Uh, We're not meant to be islands. We're not meant to be out of community. We're meant to uh, learn and grow from and with each other. So, so yeah, just kind of knowing that and applying it even when I don't always feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an act of letting people in, but then also, I don't know about you, but then I have to actually listen to them. I know that sounds like, go, <laughs> yeah, you should listen. But um, I just finished, well, I'm finishing up grad school right now. And last week I walked across the stage and it was funny. I mean, I know it was God, but um, when the president handed me my diploma or, you know, my, my thing that should have the diploma in it, um, <laughs> uh, he said, congratulations, now go get some rest. And I kind of chuckled like, ha, ha, ha. But then I was like, wait, I need to actually listen to that. Like that's a word yes. from the Lord. Now go get some rest. So I'm, I am taking the summer off from um, some podcasting stuff and work and different things. And I got to tell Congrats. you to actually do that though, takes a lot of work to get time off of work. I know that sounds weird, but I'm like, so true. I'm like, okay, I got a plan and I got to tell all the people you can't, no, like I can't do this right now. I have to say no, 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 no to like a million people. And that's hard for me. That does not come naturally. And so I'm practicing that. But yeah, I just had to throw that one more practical tip in of like, let people in and then actually listen when they tell you, you need rest. <laughs> so. <laughs> Amen. I love that. It's so true. And it is hard. I think it's hard to do. It's harder to do the right thing than it is to do the next thing. Right. Mm. You know, it's always harder to do to do what, okay, I have to say no to some people, or I have to take, you know, uh, turn things down for a little bit. And it's so hard to do that. It's easier to just keep going, but that's of course what leads to burnout if we're, if we're not careful. So yeah, Yeah. that's a, that's a good word. I appreciate that. Yeah. And then we'll be benched, uh, not on our own, but just because we're burnout and you're forced to bench. Yeah. And I don't want to be in that place. So, okay. So as we prepare to get off here today, I do want you to tell the listeners, first of all, where can they connect with you and get their hands on your book? Yeah, uh, I am at JennyOwens.com, which is G-I-N-N-Y. I'm on the Instagram at JennyOwensOfficial and Facebook is JennyOwensMusic and Twitter is at JennyOwens. So uh, you can find me in all the places. Awesome. And then your book, probably just anywhere books are sold, right? Yes. Anywhere books are sold. It's called Singing in the Dark. Awesome. Do you have any final word of encouragement for the listeners today? Well, I just am going to be praying for you guys and just want to encourage you to to think about at, in your days, pursuing a relationship with your best friend who is always pursuing you, um, finding time to sit with him, be with him, read his words and to really rest in his strength. And just want to encourage you in, as you learn a new song to sing on repeat in your head, that that is, that that those are the first steps to doing that. Oh, so good. I love that word. I receive it for myself too. Well, Jenny, thank you again for taking time to come on the show today. It is an honor to have you here and I can't wait to introduce you to the listeners. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks so much. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest, and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. In today's episode, we discussed finding hope in God's Word, especially when times are dark. We also discussed rest, burnout, and staying accountable. 
But one of those things that I felt the Lord draw me to for this segment is accountability. I honestly think this is an area that many of us are lacking these days. So today's Get Real Practical segment is extremely simple. Are you ready? Here are your three baby steps you need to do. Now, they seem so simple, yet so many of us don't do them. Why is this? We can dive into that in a bit. But here they are. Number one, find community. And when I say find community, I don't mean go join a new Facebook group or go follow a new person on Instagram. I mean in real life community, people who can see you. Now, if you you meet online and then you get together in person, that's great. I'm all for our, our online friends. I have many of them myself, but man, we can hide behind those online friends, right? They don't really see us. They don't really get to know us. So find that community. The next step, let them in. So when I say community, I again, I'm not talking about showing up to life group all put together with everything in place and not really letting people see you for you. Now, this doesn't mean you need to go find some big group and dump all your stuff out in the first session. That's not what I'm talking about. Even if this just means one other person, ask God to show you. Is there one person that you could reach out to today? Not tomorrow, not next week. I want you to take action today. I keep these action steps simple because I want you to literally get off of this episode and go, okay, I'm going to go do it. So who is it that you could reach out to? Maybe have coffee. Maybe, you know, whatever it might be. Pray about it and God will highlight that person. And then the third thing you need to do is listen to them when they speak into your life. Now, you do need to be selective with who we allow to speak into our life. Again, I'm not saying let strangers on the internet speak into your life. But once you've found that community, once you've let them in and you know that they're a person whose opinions and character you trust, Listen to them. You know, I gave that example, and it's kind of a funny example, but you know about the president of my university saying, now go get some rest. And it kind of was a joke, but like, I don't think he meant it as a joke. I at first kind of like, he he, you know, did a little giggle. And then I thought, I need to actually listen to him. He's serious. Like, that's a real mandate. And so if you let these people into your lives, when they tell you things they're seeing that are going on with you, maybe it's rest, maybe it's they see you, um, you know, in a sin, or maybe they just see something in your heart that is not the best, or they could even call out greatness in you. It doesn't always have to be negative things they see. When they speak into your life, listen and be willing to um, take their advice, take it before the Lord and say, hey, Lord, is this from you as well? Get that confirmation from the Lord as well, and then take action. Okay, well, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. As always, if God spoke a word to you, please leave us a review, tag us on social media. I'm at Rachel J. Gilbert on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.